0: If you have a Bible, I encourage you to open up to John chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 22 through 36. If you're using a pew Bible, that's on page 1052. So here in our passage that we're just about to look at, we see the scene unfolding where Jesus is traveling like he always does, and he ends up near Anon, which is where John the Baptist and his disciples are. And it tells us Jesus and his disciples were baptizing. Now, one thing just to highlight real quick. You know, when I first read this, it might sound like Jesus was baptizing, but chapter 4, verse 2, tells us that it was actually his disciples who were doing the baptism. So when Jesus shows up on this scene, what happens when Jesus shows up? Follow along with me as I read. I'm going to be reading from the ESV translation. After this, Jesus and his disciples Whoever receives his testimony sets a seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Please join me in prayer. Lord we give thanks for your word your word of truth which exposes the sinfulness in our heart and leads us to finding our hope in you. I pray Lord that your word will be clear today that we may find hope in you. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. So here in our passage in In response to Jesus showing up, we see two conflicts arise and the invitation to rejoice with Jesus and to believe in Jesus. And in the middle of our passage, John the Baptist addresses what's at the core of these conflicts by saying, he must increase, but I must decrease. And the question that we need to ask as we explore this passage today is who will be on the throne in your life The Battle of Hastings in year 1066 was a pivotal battle for the history of England Long before the Battle of Hastings William the Conqueror had met with the king of England Edward the Confessor who had no successors to replace him as a king of England and during this meeting Edward had promised William to make him the heir to the throne of England. But when Edward, the king, was on his deathbed, rather than keeping his promise to William, he made Harold Godwinson the heir to the throne instead. So after Edward died, Harold Godwinson was proclaimed the king of England. Well, naturally, William the Conqueror wasn't happy about that, right? Because in his mind, he was the true heir to the throne of England. So what did William do? He invaded England, marched to Hastings, led his men men out to battle against King Harold, and won a decisive victory over Harold's men. William then marched into London, and on Christmas Day in 1066, William the Conqueror was crowned the first Norman king of England. The history of England altered forever because there could only be one person on the throne. For us, we live in a similar reality. There can only be one person on the throne in our life. And who that person is will alter the trajectory of our lives. And our passage today offers us a choice. It says, Exalt and believe in Jesus, and you will have eternal life, or exalt yourselves, rejecting Jesus, and you will remain under God's wrath and without true joy. So, to see this truth, let's first look at these conflicts that arise from, from our passage due to the desire to exalt oneself above Jesus. The first conflict we see is in verse 25. So look with me at verse 25. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. So I'm reading from the ESV and it uses this word discussion, right? So that might sound like a cordial conversation, right? They're having a nice conversation about worship rituals. But reality is that word can also be translated as argument or debate. If you're looking at a pew Bible, I think it might actually say argument. But whatever their conversation was, they were trying to prove why the other person was wrong and why they were right. Now, what is ironic about this argument? Who was just introduced to this scene? Jesus, right? Jesus is there amongst the crowds, and what are John the Baptist's disciples doing? They're arguing about worship rituals. The very one who all those Old Testament purification laws foreshadowed, the only one who washes away sin through his blood, which baptism is a sign of, Jesus is right there in front of them, and yet they're arguing about worship rituals. You know, it's easy to see the the irony of this scene, yet it's more difficult to see how this is exactly what we do. When was the last time you were frustrated towards someone because you knew you were right and they were wrong? When was the last time you were filled with frustration over how something was done in the church. This past year and few months have been one of the most conflict-filled, argumentative, us-versus-them years in the church that, that I certainly have ever seen. And what this might be revealing to us is the sin within us that seeks to exalt ourselves over Jesus how many of these arguments, conflicts, and debates have led to Jesus being exalted? Why did this argument between, John, the, between the disciples of John the Baptist and this Jew start? It's because they each wanted to prove why they were right. They each wanted to exalt themselves even though Jesus was right there in front of them. They care more about being right than about worshiping Jesus. And this, this conflict we see in our text reveals the same truth in us that we need to confess. We must recognize and confess that we too, because of our sinfulness, seek to prove why we are right and to exalt ourselves rather than to exalt Jesus. Now the second conflict that we see in our passage is in verse 26. Look with me at verse 26. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. Well, what does this response show us about John the Baptist's disciples? They're jealous. I mean, that's the bottom line. They're just plain jealous. And we know that John the Baptist had become very well known during the time of Jesus. Lots of people were going to him to listen to his word and to be baptized by him. Which meant that he had to appoint disciples underneath him. So these disciples, you know, are feeling pretty good about themselves from all the publicity and attention that they're getting. And then Jesus and Jesus' disciples show up on the scene, and it all starts to break down for John the Baptist's disciples. And what's in their hearts is then exposed. And what do we see? There's no joy in their response, right? They want to be exalted. They don't care about the fact that people are coming, believing in Jesus and being baptized, right? They're not celebrating that. They're just jealous and mad. And what we see from this second conflict is that when you live with yourself on the throne in your life, it will leave you jealous and bitter. It will leave you robbed of true joy, right? Because we don't see any joy in their response to Jesus being there. We don't see any joy to people being baptized. They aren't celebrating what Jesus is doing. Instead, they are full of bitterness and jealousy because they're too focused on themselves and on their own self-exaltation. They want to be on the throne in their lives. You know, as I was working on this sermon, and in particular on this part, one of the stories, biblical stories that came to my mind was the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And to be honest, I've... Kind of always struggled with this story because the older brother is made to look like the one who is wrong in the story, right? And I identify with him. And he's frustrated when that rebellious son returns home and the father throws this huge party for this son. That party should be for the older brother, right? Who's faithfully served the father. And here's the older brother. He shows up, here's what's happening. And he's bitter and jealous, mad, because he wants to be the one who is celebrated. He wants to be the one who is exalted. And in his jealousy, in his bitterness, he is unable to celebrate what is happening. He is unable to celebrate this great thing that has happened because he is seeking his self-exaltation. And you see, this is the same thing that the disciples of John the Baptist are doing. They do not celebrate what Jesus is doing because they are full of jealousy that has come from seeking their own self-exaltation. These problems that arise in our text are clear examples of what happens when we seek to exalt ourselves Over Jesus. When you are on the throne in your life, you will end up frustrated when others don't agree with you, full of bitterness and jealousy when you are not exalted, and unable to joyfully celebrate what Jesus is doing. But in the weight of these conflicts, we see two responses responses to rejoice with Jesus and believe in Jesus. So when John the Baptist responds to this problem of sin in the hearts of his disciples, he responds by painting this picture, right? This picture of a, a wedding ceremony. Look with me at verses 28 through 29. You yourselves bear me witness that I have said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. So, John responds by painting this very biblical, familiar picture of a wedding ceremony between Jesus as the groom and the church as his bride. And where does John put himself in this picture? He puts, puts himself in the shoes of the friend of the groom, the friend who isn't jealous of the groom, but the friend who's rejoicing greatly at the voice of the groom. Now there's a picture from mine and Hannah's wedding that I can see very clearly in my mind. It's a picture of me standing at the front of the church looking down the aisle as Hannah arrives in all of her beauty and I see her for the first time. And this picture shows you the expression on my face of the deep joy I have for my bride. And one perfect little tear, I mean, I nailed it. It was perfect. Not sobbing, you know, not like showing no emotion. It was perfect. One tear, I nailed it. And in this picture, you also see my best man. He was standing right next to me. And where do you think he's looking? You might be thinking, you know, he's looking down the aisle at the bride where everyone else in the church is looking, right? But he's not. He's looking right at me. And he's the only person in the picture who's actually looking at me. And when he sees the joy that I'm experiencing, that one perfect little tear, right? His face is full of joy, right? His face is a reflection of the joy that I am experiencing. And he is experiencing that joy as a true friend because he sees my complete joy. You know, this is the same picture, It's the same picture that John the Baptist is painting in response to his disciples. And in verse 29, what does John say? He says, Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. This joy that his disciples were robbed of because they wanted to exalt themselves was a joy that John the Baptist has because he knows it was something he could only experience when he lived with Jesus on the throne in his life. You see, when we live with Jesus on the throne in our lives, we can find complete joy. We can rejoice with Jesus over what he is doing with his church. And then the next response that we see to this, this problem of self-exaltation is the call to receive and believe in Jesus. In verses 31 through 36 we see the commentary of the apostle John now who wrote this gospel to this scene that he has just recorded after and after writing about this scene John between John the Baptist and his disciples John then transitions into showing how the sin of self-exaltation that we see in the hearts of John the Baptist's disciples prevents us from receiving and believing Jesus. And in John the Apostle's commentary to the scene that we, have, that we are looking at, he concludes his commentary and concludes this passage by saying, by painting this, this distinction, exalt and believe in Jesus and you will have eternal life or reject Jesus and remain under the wrath of God. One of the first things that John the Apostle does in his commentary to this scene is to draw draw the distinction between Jesus and man. Jesus is from above. Man is from earth. Jesus has authority over all things. Man does not. Jesus utters words from heaven. Man utters words from earth. And only Jesus bears witness of what he has seen and heard from heaven. And after laying out this clear distinction between Jesus and man, what does John say? He says, Yet no one receives his testimony. I mean, isn't it, obvious, isn't it obvious that we should trust Jesus rather than man? But why doesn't anyone receive his testimony? It's because the sin of self-exaltation blinds us to the truth of Jesus. Jesus showed up on the scene. He was right there in front of John the Baptist's disciples but they still didn't receive and believe in him. Why? They were too focused on their own self-exaltation. You see, the sin of self-exaltation blinds us to seeing and receiving Jesus. It keeps us from putting Jesus in his rightful place. Now, let's, let's focus on this distinction again for, for just a moment. Jesus is from above, Man is from earth. Jesus has authority over all things. Man does not. Jesus utters words from heaven. Man utters words from earth. And only Jesus bears witness to what he has seen and heard from heaven. Now let me ask you a question. Who else fits that criteria? Who else has left the eternal throne room of heaven to bear witness to what is true? Who else has left the eternal throne room of heaven to be born of a virgin in our world? Who else has come, lived a perfect, sinless life? Who else is the perfect representation of love and compassion for all people? Who else has come, laid down his life, risen again three days later? And who else has come and offered salvation freely as a gift? No one but Jesus. No one is worthy of being on the throne in your life other than Jesus. What choice will you make? Who will be on the throne in your life? There can only be one person there. Who will you believe in for your salvation? You have a choice to make. There can only be one person on the throne in your life, who will it be? One person who has had to come face-to-face with the reality of this decision is Justin Bieber. The success and attention that Justin Bieber got in in the height of his fame really is, is nearly unmatched. I remember back when he was really, really popular in the height of his fame, there was one day when I was working and one of his songs had just come out that day. And I was hearing it on the radio all the time, over and over. And I wonder, the thought occurred to me, I wonder how many views this song has on YouTube It just came out that day. So I looked it up on YouTube, 50 million views On YouTube. And I mean, if you want to talk about someone who has reached the height of self-exaltation, I mean, Justin Bieber was there. But what happened to him? What happened to Justin? In the height of his self-exaltation, he realized he was still without joy. So he started looking to the wrong places for joy and made some really, really bad choices. In one article, he shares his story. It says, Justin talks about the emptiness he felt despite all the money, fame, and success. And said, you wake up, one day, your relationships are all messed up. You're unhappy. and You have all this success in the world, but you're just like, well, What? Is it worth if I'm still feeling empty inside? Justin came face to face with the reality of what a life of self-exaltation leads to. It left him at rock bottom, empty and without joy. And reflecting on his experience, he says, I came to a place where I was just like, God." If you're real, I need you to help me because I can't do this on my own. Justin came face to face with the reality of the question that we all have to answer who will be on the throne in your lives? Will you reject Jesus? And seek your own self-exaltation, which will lead to a life robbed of joy and under God's wrath. Or will you exalt and believe in the only one who has come from above to give eternal life? What choice will you make? Let's pray. Dear Lord, this is a convicting passage because in reality, every single one of us here has to confess that we do seek our own self exaltation. We seek to be right, we get jealous, and we are unable to celebrate what you are doing. Help us, Lord, to confess the sin of self exaltation. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to rest in the amazing beauty and goodness of who you are and the authority that you have and the love that you show to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming into our world to lay down your life for us so that we may exalt you and live a life of hope. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.